0: Hi there, everyone. You're listening to The Morning Magazine for Friday, September 22nd. I'm your host, Jackie Sedley. Today's Morning Magazine is going to sound a bit different than usual. That's because most of the news department is currently attending a journalism conference in Denver. Instead of our usual headlines, followed by a multi-story rundown, you'll hear an exclusive interview with author Anna Hamayoun about her new book, Erasing the Finish Line. Stay tuned. Author Anna Hamayoun released her new book, Erasing the Finish Line. KGNU's Zach Thompson interviewed her about her book that paints a picture of what success can look like outside of college admissions. Here's their conversation. I'm talking with Anna Hamayoun, author, academic advisor, and early career development expert. Today we will be discussing her book, Erasing the Finish Line. To start off, could you please give us an overview of your new book?
1: Sure. So I've spent over two decades working with middle school, high school, and college students. And my focus is on executive functioning skills. So around organization, planning, prioritization, and work-related skills. And I really found like the faulty finish line of college admissions or for this focus on college admissions had created this faulty finish line that was really stressing out parents and students. And it really wasn't helping anyone figure out what are the underlying skills that all kids need to succeed no matter where they go to college, no matter where they work, and then no matter what you know their post-high school plans are. And so I set out to write Erasing the Finish Line to really support um, students and families in thinking through this expanded notion of what success looks like and what the skills are required for that.
0: Outside of college, what is success really outside of making it into like your dream school or getting your dream job?
1: Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And oftentimes people talk about success and no one's really able to define it the same way. So I think one of the things that's important that I talk about is how do we help people figure out what their own version of success looks like, irrespective of what other people are talking about, because your definition and mine could be totally different and that's Okay. But what often happens in this faulty finish line is that we're focused on other people's definition of success, whether that's a certain type of school, a certain type of job, and it becomes this never ending cycle that nothing is ever, you know, good enough for, um, for well being. And that's just like, and what we want to avoid, and my whole approach is using these four pillars that I talk about in the book to really create a framework. For all people to feel like these are the things I should focus on for my overall well-being and also my long-term financial stability.
0: These four concepts or skills, just what makes them so important throughout one's life?
1: Well, each of them is different. So the first one that I talk about is systems. And so systems are based on executive functioning skills. So organizing, planning, prioritizing, starting and completing tasks and adaptable thinking. And we know that a lot of times when we have this hyper-focus on getting into a certain type of school or a certain type of experience, that we lose sight of those underlying habits and routines and daily happenings that really help us manage this. And we also know that feeling organized decreases our stress, right? So when we feel like we're on top of things, that we feel like we have a plan, we feel like, oh gosh, if something happens, I still have a way to navigate that that decreases our stress in the moment. And so that's a really key skill that we often overlook in school. We're not teaching that today. And part of erasing the finish line is helping parents get some practical strategies and the adults in their lives um, to really support students as they develop the time structure and support to build these skills.
0: So you mentioned feeling organized and relieving stress. How do you recommend a student who's running around chasing multiple extracurriculars on top of juggling schoolwork and rigorous classes? How do they go about eliminating such a stressful day?
1: Well, part of it is how you manage your time and energy. So something I talk about in the last pillar, acceptance, is really around accepting and understanding what your energy profile is. And what that means is, what very simply, I talk about a lot more detail in the book with with some practical strategies. But what energizes you? What drains you? And how do you recharge? And the reason those things are important is if you're juggling all of these extracurriculars and you're running around everywhere, it's like how do you step back and come up with a plan if you're running on exhaustion, right? And so instead of doing that, how do we give students this underlying system, which I talk about in part one? that helps them figure out A, what's important to them. So what are they doing because they enjoy it or they're curious about it or they're open about it? And what are they doing because they think that they need it for college or for a job or for they're doing it for others or they're doing it for transactional achievement rather than their own curiosity? And this whole idea of like developing your own blueprint, which is what all the four pillars combine to is this really great notion that when we do focus on these pillars and stop hyper-focusing on grades and test scores, the grades will come, the success will come, the excellence will come. It'll actually be better than when you do this like short-sighted hyper-focus on testing grades. So when you focus on the habits, the grades will come and you'll be less stressed and you'll be less distracted.
0: Part of that, there's like this really strong pressure to go through this whole college checklist, developing a super good profile for admissions, how do you get past that notion notion to be able to focus on developing these skills?
1: Yeah. So it's a really good question. Um, Two things that I really talk about in the book and I give in more detail is one, this idea of reframing the whole college application process. And reframing means instead of saying, oh, gosh, what do I need to do to get in for you to accept me? is to really become, and this is what I talk about with the high school students, is a savvy consumer, is understanding who you are, what your values are, what your strengths are, what your opportunities for growth are, and know that you bring something really incredible to any university you attend and that you are um, coming from a place of where are the multiple places that I could thrive. And when you do that, it reframes it from this like, oh my gosh, will they accept me to let me find the right places for me. And not, there's not just one. The whole goal of erasing the finish line is understanding that at any moment in our lives, there are multiple places where we can thrive and there are multiple spaces where we can thrive. And that there is this opportunity at any moment to be, to be open and curious about what our opportunities are. Um, I think we get caught up in what everyone else is doing. And again, the the notion is not that we're trading off excellence or this ability to be our very best selves. In fact, we're doing that with less stress and less overwhelm and with more engagement and sense of meaning, which I think most students will say they're looking for.
0: You talked a lot about developing different perspectives in your book and just mm-hmm. promoting kind of variety of opportunity Mm -hmm. how does that come into play with developing this perspective on college admissions and life skills
1: so this idea of perspective is really about encouraging openness and curiosity to expand the narrow definition of success and also college right there are you know most people don't realize the majority of colleges take the majority of students we're really focused on this really hyper local or hyper um, selective group of schools that some of them take less than 5% of students that apply, which means 95% don't get in. And there are plenty of places that provide a lot of opportunities and growth and learning that we overlook in this hyper focus and faulty finish line of college admissions. And so perspective really comes from this fact that when I went back and I interviewed my students, so much of this book is my interviews with my students from 15 years ago who are now in their early 30s, what I found was that many of them were thriving in jobs that didn't exist or didn't exist in the way that they exist today when they were in middle school and high school. But at the same time that these jobs grew out of something they like to do in middle school or high school. So for an example, one of the young men that I interviewed that didn't end up in the book, but he was always really interested in college athletics. He loved athletics as a kid. He had played in collegiate athletics um, and he went to business school and kind of went against the grain because most people don't go to business school and then go work in college athletics the way he did. And he really used his connection skills, which is the second pillar to really churn through a lot of different applications and eventually find the connection of getting this job. But also the job that he got was in data analytics. And he actually was the first person in the university that he, that he started working at that had that job because it was brand new. So again, that idea of expanding perspectives, there's multiple ways to thrive or get to where you want to go. If he had just said, oh, I only want this kind of job in college athletics, or this is the only thing that's available to me, he would have limited his options. And that's the same thing that I talk about in terms of college. If you say, okay, this is the only kind of school, this is the only option, this is the only vision that I see as success. You really are limiting yourself and also feeling constantly in this uncertainty and overwhelm because there's only one sliver of what could work out to be good. And even when you get it, you may feel like not great. It might just not, it might never be satisfying instead of being open and curious and saying, okay, well, let's see what happens and let me choose from my available options. I love that you asked this question, because it's honestly the reason I wrote the book. Because when you're in high school, you're in this very, like, minute world that's insular, that you're going to lunch, and everybody's talking about college, who's where, who's applying where, and what's happening. And so I worked with these students, and I went back to visit them 10 to 12 years later. And these were students that were not all straight-A students. They were all different. They had all different interests. And yet they were really, you know, when you read their stories, it's inspiring and also expansive in that there are, you know, were many, many different pathways. Two of them transferred schools and you are at the first time where they're really uncertain unless they applied to a private high school or a private school before, or like whatever they moved. This is the first time they're really uncertain about what, what, what's next, right? Like they are going to apply and they have to hear back. And that's where they kind of figure out what's next, right? Mm -hmm. So feeling about what are the options in that moment um, can be hard to look beyond. And so what I encourage people to do, this is actually a suggestion, is to also as a high school student, really make sure that you have multiple generations of people that you feel connected to. So it's not just people that are your peers, because it's like getting advice on college admissions from other high school seniors or other high school juniors is probably like not a great place to start. Right. A lot of kids are going down the Reddit hole or figuring out like what's online. But if you can really stop and say, okay, let me talk to people who are five years older, 10 years older, maybe I talk to a cousin or a family friend and see, again, not just kids that are in college, but actually those who are five to 10 years out of college. And that's why I did that in a book because What was so hyper important to people senior year is like a distant memory in the long term. And I want people to feel okay around that and to be able to expand their perspective to say, you know what, this is a moment in time. It's not the moment of time.
0: For new listeners tuning in, I am talking with Anna Hamayun about her book, Erasing the Finish Line, which provides a perspective on achieving success outside of just making it into a top college and emphasizes the need for important life skills. I feel like making that leap of of faith in a sense can be kind of scary for a high school student who can't see maybe five, 10 years down the line. So how would a high school student go go about developing that blueprint or making that decision? So looking further down the line, there's another kind of jumping off points or fork in the road after college what does that decision look like
1: yeah well that's really part of the reason i wrote this book is that when we focus on just getting into college we underscore the the need to develop these skills around um systems like our workflow like managing a job getting things done you know having a sense of urgency when important and not and knowing what's not Urgent, but is important and needs to get done. That's one. Connection, really being able to connect with people across differences and also feel a genuine sense of connection. I think a lot of times we get caught up in high school and college and beyond around perceived popularity. And really that causes us to overlook who are the people that are connected, are supportive of us, are connected to us, are feeling Like amazing about who we are and want to support our success. Why don't we focus on those people instead of trying to be friends with people who may not be that interested in us, right? But yet we know, all of us know, that that is a part of our story um, typically, right? And that, you know, when we're going into the workforce, if we can focus on our systems and our connection, it also expands our perspective of like, okay, there's not just one type of job. There's not just one way to do a job. And honestly, our jobs are gonna change and shift and that we have to be okay with that and adapt and be flexible. And what's asked of us may shift based on technology, based on the changing economic forces. And that is just the way the world works right now. And that has to be something that we're able to be accepting of because a lot of times, you know, I've talked to a lot of young adults that have been like, well, I did everything they told me to to get into college, but what now? Or I got to this job, and I I don't really they didn't really have job experience or work experience, and they're like, wow, working is hard, um, because they weren't able to talk about these and build these skills while they were in teenage. That's why I feel like every teenager should work in the, with the general public in some way, whether it's in retail, whether it's in food service, whether it's at a water park, whatever, because I feel like. You learn so many more skills around communicating, around problem solving, around being part of the world, and you learn how to think on your feet in a way that um, de-stresses you over time because no one thing is like the urgent never, you know, thing. Um, so those are really important for, again, those, those life skills that will take you beyond college, whether you join the workforce, whether you leave your family home, whether you, you know, go to college and beyond. And, and finally, this idea of being really accepting of who you are, what your gifts are in the world, what your strengths are, what your opportunities for, um, improvement or, um, you know, growth, and then what are the things you like to do? And that there are many ways of pursuing that. Um, and one of the stories I tell in the book is a young man who loved music and he actually transferred to Berkeley College of Music and then realized, you know, it wasn't going to work out. He didn't want to be a full-time musician because for him, that was a sense of financial instability that was going to be uncomfortable. So he'd rather have a full-time job in a different sector and do his music as well. So music is so part of his life, but it isn't his full-time job, which has been really helpful for him because he's able to, you know, have certain things in his life that he feels more financially stable, but also allows him this ability to have the music that's so important to him. Where does
0: where does passion and the need for financial stability intersect?
1: Yeah, oh, such a good question. That's like the question on the minds of every 20 something in America, I think sometimes, right? You come out of college and you're like, I'm really passionate about this, or you you don't go to college and you're working and you're like, I'm really passionate about this, but how can I make you know a living doing that? And, you know, I tend to shy away from the, the word passion only because I, I found for some of my students that I work with that that scares them that they haven't figured out what their passion is. And they're like, oh gosh, there's all this talk about passion, but what if I don't know? But what I do talk about is a sense of what gives you purpose and meaning and allows you to work within the world in something that's of interest to you in some way. And I think what gets lost in this conversation is we're so focused that you have to make your money doing that. And like this student that I was telling you about that, you know, his, he is so passionate about music. It's such a core part of his life and drumming, but it's not the place that he gets his financial stability from. And I think the missed message that we gave in previous generations is that, you know, pursue your passion and do that for, and that's one part of it, but it doesn't have to be the only, you can have a job that, you know, provides you financial stability. And, you know, you want to be in an environment that's supportive and not toxic and a culture that's supportive and not toxic, but you also need to know that there's multiple places to, to, there are multiple ways to be financially stable and pursue those interests that give you a sense of purpose and meaning.
0: To shift focus, especially for from a high schooler's perspective, shifting from one activity to next, especially in a tight schedule, can be quite burdensome. You cover this a bit in your book, but what are your
1: kind of recommendations for that transition? Yeah, you know, I feel like we send this message that you should be constantly go, go, going. And some of us are not, I am not a go, go, go person. Like I can be go, 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 but I need a break. And my weekends are quiet because of that. And so in the book, I talk about this idea in the section of acceptance. I talk about this idea of energy profiles of really understanding what energizes you, what drains you and how you recharge. And that's different for everyone. And one of the things I talk about in the book is that for um, for some families, it can be hard if your parent or your caregiver has a very different energy profile than you. Uh, and I give a lot of practical strategies throughout the book for dealing with this. But one of the things I talk about is you may need more transition time between activities than your peers, and part of acceptance is understanding who you are and accepting who you are, and saying, Hey, when I come home, I need an hour to play the drums, or I need 30 minutes to listen to music before I start doing my work. And figure out what are the systems and routines and daily habits you can put in place that do that, you also feel less stressed, feel less overwhelmed, and are able to transition better. Another example I give and I think about a lot is that some students really need their weekends to recharge. Like they don't really want to do a lot. And there's this pressure to do the social things and be like out every night. And sometimes people just need to stay in and feeling okay about that, or having a quieter night with friends or even not with friends and just kind of hanging out watch a movie and maybe, you know, hang out with your dog or cat or just reading a book. Um, Part of acceptance is like, this is who I am. And this isn't a reflection on my sense of connection. Because some people say, I feel connected with kids at school. I have places to eat lunch. I have people I talk to every day. But the weekends, you know, because the days, the the weeks are so busy, I just need to recharge. And acceptance is about knowing that about yourself. So you don't feel pressured to go, go, go if that's not going to work for you. For
0: new listeners tuning in, I'm talking with Anna Hamayun about her book erasing the finish line, which provides a perspective on achieving success outside of just making it into a top college, and emphasizes the need for important life skills. How do you get past the societal pressures to be okay with that? Like whether it be from parents or other friends, how how do you get to the point where you can accept just being
1: on your own and having downtime on the weekends? Well, That is one of the things we talk about throughout the book of like the, the, again, focus reframing our focus from a place of what do other people think to who am I in this world? And when you start to ask these questions, you become, it's hard in the beginning for sure. And, at, but as you move away from it and you see how it benefits you, you're like, okay, this actually is working for me. And then you become more confident and you build a sense of confidence around what your needs are. And that's why the perspective piece is really important before um, acceptance, because perspective teaches you, you have multiple ways of thriving and really expanding your worldview and that there you don't have to go, go, go. And maybe, you know, your way of doing things is different and that's okay. And then acceptance is really identifying who you are and what you need. So again, this book is filled with a lot of practical strategies and ways of looking at this, that you move through these four pillars and you get to this final idea of how do you build your own blueprint rather than borrow someone else's. And yeah, it it's takes time. It's not overnight. It's not a checklist. It's not a to-do. It's a process. And you have to go back to each of the pillars at different times. So it's not like, okay, I'm going to do step one, step two, step three, step four. By the end of four weeks, I'm done with all this. And this is all great. It's really about stepping back and reflecting. Um, And that's a much deeper process. And and I think you're asking such great questions around how do we navigate this as teenagers? Because it's hard. And part of it is that we also have to help parents and caregivers understand that this is a new framework, which is why it's called a new blueprint for success beyond grades and college admission, because we want to transcend the previous notions of what success look like. Wow, sounds like a real, like long learning process. So that's the important thing that it may it's rewarding and it really changes life lives in a good way. Yeah, I bet.
0: To end the interview, on do you have any last key tips or comments that you like to leave the listeners with? whether it be a few key takeaways from the book or some general skills.
1: Yeah. Thanks for for asking that. I really want to focus on the fact that every child, every young adult should be empowered to figure out and support their own blueprint for success. And the four pillars in the book, which are around developing systems, expanding connection, creating a sense of perspective and really focusing on acceptance allow us when combined and worked in in tandem with each other to really create our own blueprint. And so my my goal is that this book provides very practical strategies that families, students, educators can use tomorrow. You know, I always say take what works for you and leave the rest. But this is a really solutions-oriented book that is full of practical strategies. So I hope that Um, The listeners will take a look and see what works well for them.
0: Great. Thank you so much for joining me for an interview today. Anna's book, Erasing the Finish Line, recently came out on August 29th. For KGNU, I'm Zach Thompson.